Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com. From Tsunami Sushi in downtown Lafayette, we're Out to Lunch with Christian Maida, editor and publisher of The Current. It's business Acadiana style. Welcome to Out to Lunch. I'm Christian Mater. Americans are going to get a lot older over the next 30 years. That's not just an obvious statement about aging. What I mean is the share of senior citizens in our country is projected to get much, much bigger. Researchers think that seniors will account for 25% of Americans by 2060, and it's a population shift often referred to as the silver tsunami. Well, the impact of that change is on us right now, and it's putting a lot of pressure on the healthcare industry. There's greater demand for caregiving services and treatment for chronic disease, and it's getting harder to fill it. Caring for people is a stressful business, but it's also a rewarding one. And my guest, Susan Amos, has worked in healthcare and senior care since the 1990s. And today, she's the chief marketing officer for Senior Helpers, a senior care franchise she bought in 2017 and then sold in 2023, but stayed on to keep working with the company. Um, But not before growing it rapidly with her business partner. Uh, Her Senior Helpers unit doubled its business in its first year alone. And today, it cares for 115 people with a pretty long waiting list. Susan also serves on the board of the Lafayette Council on Aging and on the advisory board of the Alzheimer's Association. Susan Amos, welcome to Out to Lunch. Thank you, thanks for having me. Of course, lack of access to care is a big hurdle everywhere, particularly in rural communities in St. Landry, Paris, for instance. Uh, There is no higher rate of cancer diagnoses, but there is a higher rate of cancer deaths. And that's in part because St. Landry is what researchers call an underserved market. The Mary Bird Perkins Cancer Center opened a location in Opelousas to close that gap. Mary Bird is a well-known name in cancer care. It provides a wide scope of services with locations across South Louisiana and in Mississippi. And my guest, Jody Conigan, is Mary Bird's chief operating officer. Jody comes from the marketing world. She's worked for Community Coffee, the Louisiana Department of Transportation and Development, and Women's Hospital. She joined Mary Bird in 2019 as VP of Marketing and became COO in 2023. Jody Conigan, welcome to Out the Lunch. Thank you. Appreciate it. So, Susan, I kind of wanted to start with a, a business side question here. There's there's yep. a lot of demand for senior care. It seems like it's going to keep getting bigger. You guys have a waiting list. I mean, yes. you know, in a lot of other industries, you'd see that and say clientele means money. Why is it so hard to find people to work in the industry? Well, yeah, it's... Um it's nothing like I've ever seen. I've been in the industry a long, long time, and these last two years have been uh, have been a struggle, to say the least. Uh, it started with COVID, um, and just uh, there's a, both a national and local caregiver shortage. Yeah. Uh, like you mentioned, uh, the population is aging. Uh, uh, it's got to do with the you know. Uh, Reproductive, rate, reproductive rates going down. It has to do with the uh, the baby boomers coming about uh, 46 to 64 or so when yep. people let their guard down after the Great Depression and World War II. So yep. lots of babies born during that during that period. So yeah, it's it's been a struggle, uh, and it, and it's it's across the board. I, I speak with all the other agencies, and everyone is is experiencing the same the same issues. And you guys are primarily just doing this in an in-home basis, right? I mean, you have caregivers who are going Correct. to the home. And I mean, so are, are you finding, has, has the 
uptake in terms of people moving in that direction versus, say, like an assisted living facility? Or are you finding that's changed at all? Well, AARP says that 90% of seniors want to remain home, want sure. to age at home. And that's we see that across the board. I don't think I've ever admitted or assisted with an admission to a nursing home when someone wanted to go into the nursing home. Everyone yeah. wants to stay home, at, if at all possible, but it, it, it can be expensive. So sure. long-term care insurance is a smart move. Hmm. Uh, for individuals at this point. Sure. Um, mm-hmm. Jody, I was actually really surprised to learn that a lot of what the Mary Bird Cancer Center does is, is on a donation or philanthropic basis. Like right? they're, they're programs that are funded that way. And so palliative care, palliative care excuse me, yes. uh, was one that I was surprised not covered not by insurance. Covered, yeah. I mean, is that steady revenue thing, I mean, is that a big barrier for adding better service, right? Is that creating some of this sort of lack of access to care when you don't have a steady revenue stream. Yeah, absolutely. So you have to have larger organizations like Mary Bird, who've been in the industry for 50 years, you know, started in Baton Rouge with this core mission to support our local community and keep cancer care local. And to do that, um, the reimbursement can be very low on some of these different things provided. And then to your point, some of those supportive care like genetics, um, palliative medicine, um, even our patient navigation, which really helps connect patients to all of our care points, isn't supported through reimbursement. So we do have to have donors support, grants support, um, corporation support. So it's been a, a our, our development team works really hard to make sure that we are able to provide these services everywhere we go, so that communities don't lack that support that they so vitally need. Yeah, I'm actually I mean surprised that even with sort of changes in the the insurance industry over the last you know 15 years that some of this stuff hasn't been picked up. I mean, do do you anticipate that some of these things might get picked up? Well, it's interesting you say that because right now we are having conversations. We do a lot of outreach, which we actually have a mobile unit that goes into the areas around Lafayette, into Opelousas, up into the Delta region to provide screening services at churches and and people's in their local community just to try to, again, get that screening services to people. And so we're just starting to have conversations around some reimbursement coming back because all that's being funded through grants, through donations. I mean, even insurance provider Blue Cross Blue Shield gave us one of our major grants to go into the Delta regions because they're seeing that if we can catch these cancers sooner much more treatable so the survivor rate goes up exponentially so that's what we want instead of getting people at that in, you know later stages where there's not much treatment there's not as much uh, intervention we can do so yes there are ongoing conversations to try to get some funding there but right now a lot of these vital services are through philanthropic and grant support. Hmm. Now, now, Susan, you recommended there that people ought to look in long-term, yeah. what did you call it? And, long-term, and tell me more care, about that. long-term care insurance. It's just an insurance that uh, you would buy earlier in life. It can be quite expensive later in life. Sure. So um, typically when people realize it is when they've begun to look for care for their parents, mm-hmm. they realize you know, that, that if it's going to be a, for a long term, it, it's, it's going to be expensive. So they need to prepare early. So hopefully, you know, they'll start. But our services are private pay, long-term care insurance. There's several VA benefits, hmm. um, as well as some workers' comp. So, I mean, is that generally brokered through an agency like a Blue Cross Blue Shield, or are there specialty providers that do um, long-term there, care There's several. Yeah. Physicians Mutual, Northwest Mutual, or okay. to name just a couple, but there there are quite a few yeah. uh, providers. But yeah, sure. So, yeah. Jody, I mean, you guys do some clinical trial work. I understand. Talk to me a bit yes. about that. I mean, I, I, you guys are doing this almost like at a location 
base level, meaning I'm assuming you're doing or, or, or brokering clinical trial kind of programs, say, in St. Landry Parish that might be different than in another market. I mean, how does that work? Yes, this is, it's really interesting. We brought in um, a new physician scientist about six, seven months ago, um, and Dr. Lynn came to us from UAB where he was running an oncology research um, department there, and he's been foundational to uh, kind of growing and adjusting our program because what he tends to do is he looks at the demographics of a specific location, what cancers are very pre prevalent in that area, uh, what are the demographics of the patient base, and then looks for studies that specifically meet that need. So that way we're studying things that are truly helpful to that local community and opening studies that are vital to ongoing research and learnings as far as how we treat cancer in the future. I mean, is there something that sticks out in the Acadiana market? Yeah, the, the major cancers in this area are prostate and breast. So I know right now Dr. Lim was looking at different studies that specifically address those major um, cancers for this market. And, and the clinical trial itself, I mean, what are they testing? Well, and it can be a little bit of anything. It can be everything from a drug combination to see if we can improve outcomes, um, if we can keep uh, bone mass up, healthy weights in line during a treatment base. So they look at different aspects of the care, even if it's different combinations or adding in exercise as a component. So it depends on the clinical trial and what's most important to the local community. Gotcha. Um, now, Susan, I, Senior Helpers is a brand and you bought a franchise right mm -hmm. and so I, you know people often hear franchises and i'm sure they think burger king right i mean so, <laughs> and, and i don't mean to slog off on burger king i just mean that like i think people don't often think of that kind of business as being something that's yeah franchise. So, I mean, talk to me a little bit how that business model actually works a franchise is amazing i mean you you go into a situation and you're able to learn from other people's mistakes yeah. you know you're able to we've got 380 uh, offices so we're able to share ideas what works what didn't work um, senior helpers Lafayette is actually in the top 10 of those offices wow. so uh, yeah we, we've really been able to compete with New York Chicago you know it's just it's just crazy the need in South Louisiana for home care so much dementia so much Parkinson's it's yeah. just amazing so, I mean, help me understand, I mean, when I think about, you know, what franchises typically do, right, there's sort of a proprietary secret sauce, right? Like, uh -huh. Going back to my fast food analogy, you know, you're kind of, hey, you know, I want to buy a, you know, I don't know why I'm just picking on Burger King, we're just going to do that. Mm -hmm. Burger King's getting all the free advertising today. Um, you know, you buy a Burger King and you're selling Whoppers, right? Mm -hmm. And so like, but like no one else is going to sell the Whoppers, but your franchise. So mm -hmm. in, in, in that environment, like what is the sort of proprietary advantage or the thing that say a senior helper sets does. us apart yes ma'am yeah several things yeah. Um, one is life profile yeah. life profile is a, a proprietary tool assessment tool that mm -hmm. allows us to target the risks that a patient or client is experiencing it may be a risk of dehydration it may be a risk of of uh, mismanagement of their medications it may be a fall so we go in we look at 144 different risk factors and then we target their care plan specific to those addressing those risks to reduce the risks and also to reduce readmissions to the hospitals mm. so that's just one of the things we um, you know in a, a franchise is it's just kind of a, uh, a guide we you know right. we're locally I'm from New Iberia Louisiana uh, um, the company that recently bought us is Elder Outreach. They own um, mm -hmm. uh, assisted living and nursing homes in here in Lafayette, Pelican Point, as well as uh, uh, Crowley and Abbeville. Mm -hmm. So yeah, so it, it's guidelines, it's training if we want it, it's, it's um, 
you know, we've got a, uh, a center of excellence. Uh, we're the only agency. We far- firmly believe in training. We have a senior helpers university where our caregivers receive an additional 26 hours of training, more than is required. Um, hands-on training as well as classroom training in our training centers. Um, just the you know the the marketing materials that are available the webinars the you know the website assistance all of those things are are, you know helped we're we're helped through our corporate office they provide a great resource but quality assurance is probably what sets us apart Uh, anytime a caregiver is new to a client we do what we call a meet and greet i never did like little seniors waiting for a stranger at their door you know so we go in introduce the caregiver go over the care plan and then after that caregiver's been with that client a couple of shifts we're calling them to make sure they feel safe they're happy with the care that everything is being done according to their wishes and if not we're going to go back to square one and find someone that can so we've got an RN on staff so lots of things that we're doing different we've hired runners unfortunately in this industry there are times when caregivers call out at the last minute or don't even show up for a shift so we've hired runners who are some of our most experienced and skilled caregivers that can immediately head to the shift while our scheduling department finds a replacement that way the daughter's not having to take off of work to you know to care for mom until we can get someone there we've tried to to do everything we can to avoid those issues you're to Out to Lunch. I'm Christian Mader. I'm talking to Susan Amos of Senior Helpers and Jody Conakin of Mary Bird Perkins Cancer Center. So, Jody, I mean, I think, you know, folks might, you know, come, come down with a cancer diagnosis right and, and maybe working with their doctor. And I think a lot of people might think the first place they go is a local oncologist or maybe to familiar hospital brands. I mean, just help me understand how the, the, the Mary Bird Perkins Cancer Center sort of fits into that yeah, absolutely. That, that ecosystem. Well, and in this area, we are partner with Opelousas General. Okay. And so when we come into a community, we always look at what's available in the local community and where we can find good partners because it is a referral pattern, right? And we're a part of the support system um, of that local entity. So their local provider might find something that they find concerning, refer them to a medical oncologist, which would be our medical oncologist at the Mary Berber Perkins Cancer Center, right? Which is on Opelousas General's campus. Yeah. Um, we just opened with them in January and it has been extremely busy. Um, we've had well over 300, 350 patients a month and it's building really quickly because the physician base was you know, hungry for a local solution and mm-hmm. so they've just consistently been referring as they meet our physicians and our physicians make those connections so that they know that they're going to get the care that they want. Um, and then also we're a good partner because part of our care plan is we're going to give you back your patient. You know, We're going to provide a, a care service. You're not in a system where someone might get referred back to some other location. Um, it's very important for us that, that a local patient stays local. And honestly when we made this announcement back in December that we were making this partnership with Opelousas, so many of our team members were very excited because they're from this area. I mean, Dr. Fontenot, who is our CEO, is from Crowley. Um, our communications director is from Latell, which I've already met today. So we've got uh, Mary Broussard, who's over our therapy services, lives in Erath. So there was a lot of local connections, and so they just really helped us kind of learn the local community quicker than we would have before because there was that local feel to the to the environment. So, so in terms of the types of services you actually kind of put into that system, I mean, is this, I'm imagining folks were maybe living in Opelousas and driving into Lafayette, right? I mean, is it that level of, uh, or that type of 
uh, gap that you're filling where, you know, people are doing their regular checkups, like kind of that sort of thing? Or is it specialized care that the physicians say in Opelousas couldn't already provide? Um, they had a, a, a service that, that was rotating care. So they had a rotating physician at the time. So what we're able per- to provide is that consistent okay. um, physician leadership on site. Um, Dr. Hansen and Dr. Bienvenue um, are coming into the community, consistently seeing patients, working with their nurse practitioners who are from the community as well to take care of patients. Mm-hmm. So the filling of the gap is really that full service medical oncology plus the supplemental care, which we talked about a little earlier. So palliative medicine, mm-hmm. um, taking care of the whole patient through their journey, mental health concerns, uh, genetics, um, those pieces to help navigate them through the process that they might not have had previously without some additional support services. I mean, Susan, you talked a good bit about you know dementia is something that shows up a lot here. I mean, are you, are, are y'all caring for a lot of folks that have cancer diagnoses in your system? Sure, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, how common is that? And do you have to take sort of special uh, protocols to make that work? I mean, Special what, care. Yeah. Uh, well, we follow the lead of the physician in the home health or hospice. Yeah. Uh, we're often, um, we'll be asked to take uh, cancer patients to chemotherapy or um, radiation or care for them after if they're not, feel, if they're having side effects, you know. Yeah. So, I mean, I was just, did you, did I understand you said 350 people a, a month? Mm-hmm. get diagnosed with cancer? Or are being treated in the medical oncology right now. Okay, mm-hmm. okay, okay. Mm-hmm. So that's not new diagnoses that are happening each month. Um, the new diagnosis rate is is close to that, probably yeah. about 150, probably half of that is new diagnosis coming back into the center. Um, yeah. Once I think we have our boots on the ground for a good year, we'll have that spread a little more understanding because there's so many people that had are new to us but have maybe been treated at other locations. Um, because some kind of north of Opelousas, there's some rural communities. We are drawing a lot of people from the rural areas into, so not just up from Lafayette, but over from kind of the surrounding communities. Mm-hmm. Um, you mentioned transportation. I'm glad you touched on that because it is a, a big point of, of concern. Um, it's a barrier to care for many of our team of our patients who are trying to get to services where you might have infusion services three or four times a week. It can be a burden on the family to try to make that happen. So we do have, again, working with our philanthropy department, you know, things that to support that care and help them overcome those barriers. I actually drive there once a month for infusions. Oh, wonderful. (laughs) Well, thank you. You're welcome. (laughs) You're welcome. Yeah, I mean, so, Susan, when when I'm say I'm, I'm one of your clients. I mean, is it typical that I have someone with me for, is it an eight hour thing? I mean, is it something that, you're, you know, I'm calling in for help when I need it? I mean, how does that yeah, work? Yeah, it varies. We've got some clients that have been with us long term. We've got 24 seven clients. We've got clients that uh, family just needs someone at night so that mm-hmm. they can rest so that they can take good care of them during the day Uh, we've got some we have a four-hour minimum so anytime a caregiver goes into the home it would be for a minimum of four hours Um, so it it just varies all you know and it's good to have a good mix that way because typically a 24-hour client is going to be a sicker client you know or a client that uh, may not be with us for you know a long long time maybe a hospice patient yeah Um, and so you mentioned earlier that you know a, a challenge has been you know, hiring, right? And maybe that was influenced by COVID. I mean, is there something that you're seeing that's maybe giving you some optimism about how that might change? I mean, you know, ways that you can attract more people into the industry? Yeah, we're really having to be creative. We're looking for creative ways to, to continue to, uh, to hire good caregivers. Um, we, uh, 
every single week I've got three people making calls finding caregivers it's that wow. it's that important um that's a big investment in recruitment it is it is and we don't like turning people down and and we've been lucky that um a lot of of our referrals you know have been told good things or they've heard good things or a family member right you know we've cared for one of their loved ones that kind of thing and they're willing to wait for us mm-hmm. but i just feel terrible when someone you know is being discharged from the hospital and needs someone that next morning and unfortunately we often you know can't do that most agencies can't anymore where you know three years ago I would have said sure I'll be over this afternoon we'll start tomorrow morning sometimes it takes a little bit longer Hmm. but we're doing you know we do health fairs we do we provide uh, training Uh, we do lots of incentives and rewards and you know and and really um, Caregiver retention is every bit as important as caregiver, uh, yeah, recruitment. Sure. I mean, Jody is, is, I mean, people talk generally about challenges in healthcare personnel. I mean, is that something that particularly affects, his, affects the, 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 you know, cancer treatment? I mean, it can, because I mean, to um, Susan's point, it is. It has been a difficult couple of years for healthcare, and and kind of there's been some movement in the industry, and, and people have shifted. One of the things I will say that has been helpful in our recruiting process is because oncology is outpatient. So some of the nursing teams that have been 24/7 in units trying to cover patient care, we can offer them a nine to five job, so to speak. So we can kind of contain some of that. Um, Fortunately for us, we also do some of our own training. So from radiation therapists to physics, we have a physics program that's in conjunction with LSU where we actually train physicists. And those are the people who actually look at um, kind of help set up the treatment plans from a radiation perspective. So we have a really robust department there. And it's it's been a way that Mary Bird has been innovative in the past to kind of feed our own, um, you know, different service lines with training for our own personnel. So it is a constant um, struggle, but we tend to get really innovative in how we bring people into the organization and train them to cover CT, MRI, and bring them through our own programs to kind of get them in place. Looking at some of the other markets that you guys have been in, I mean, they seem to be relatively small. I mean, I'm assuming that's by design that you guys aren't necessarily like, hey, we need Mary Bird to go into Houston or, you know, Mobile or something like that. I mean, is that more of a mission alignment thing or a market alignment? Yeah, part of our mission is to make sure we're serving communities who need us. Like we want to go somewhere that we're invited. Opelousas General has been an amazing partner in that um, wanting to see how many uh, services we can align that make sense with their organization. Um, They have had some previous struggles as far as a turnover in that physician partner, but um, we were excited to come in and support and when we go into a new market, one of the things we look at is how can we park with the local community? Um, what are the established referral patterns? How can we be a support? So even with our outreach and prevention services going through the Delta region, uh, the reason we went there and we kind of had the foundation uh, with Blue Cross Blue Shield is there was nobody else in those communities. So they were they had a void of screening services. So nobody was looking for these cancers. So we were one of the first um, groups to be in these communities screening people pretty consistently so that we can find these cancers earlier. But yes, our I mean we we started in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Um, there was no radiation therapy in that community 50 years ago. We had community volunteers that came together and said we got to stop having our people drive to another state for services. We need to start building something locally. So foundationally, our mission was built on that idea of trying to keep people in their own communities. Because when 
you talk about things because radiation was our, our background where we started from and, and you might have radiation treatments for three or four weeks um, every day so it's it's not something that's easy to travel for so we really wanted to make that available locally and it started in Baton Rouge moved into Covington Homa um, across the state. Uh, we're now in uh, Natchez, Mississippi as well. We have seven locations, um, around 30 physicians who are on our teams who help us support these communities. So it's been a lot of growth in the last couple of years. Now, Susan, I mean, you'd worked in the industry for a while before you and your partner decided to buy the... the yes. The, the, in, and you, but you grew up pretty rapidly, which to me means that you saw something in your experience that you could bring into that yes, business yes, right away. Yes. Right? So wh what was it? I mean, what was the thing that you, you were able to sort of turn on so quickly? Well, I had great, great uh, relationships, you know, from I worked really hard at developing trust of my re referral sources. If I said I would do something, I did it. Um, and so when we, I worked at two of the other large home care companies for several years each and was recruited to the second one and then asked to to purchase senior helpers for um you know when we did this five years ago but um just those relationships that i was able to go to those individuals and say you know i know uh, i appreciate the trust that you've given me and you know the referrals through the years i'm thinking about doing this on my own you know can i count on you and and most of them came with us so it was pretty quick yeah well, I mean, I guess a, a, a thing that anybody can learn from in business, right, is uh, you go where you're welcome and go where you're needed. You're going to get pretty far. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Susan and Jody, thanks so much for joining me on Out to Lunch with Katie Hannes. Absolutely. Thank us. you. My guests on Out to Lunch today have been Susan Amos, uh, Chief Marketing Officer at Senior Helpers, and Jody Conakin, uh, Chief Operating Officer at Mary Bird Perkins Cancer Center. We edited this conversation to fit into our time slot here on KRBS, and you can hear our unedited conversation and find out more about Senior Helpers and Mary Bird Perkins Cancer Center by listening to the Out to Lunch Acadiana podcast. You can find and subscribe on your podcast app and on our website, it's acadiana.com. If you want to know what we all look like, you can find photos from the show on itsacadiana.com and on our Out to Lunch Acadiana social media. These photos were taken by Aster Morgan, and you can find more of Aster's photos at astermorgan.com. Out to Lunch Acadiana is a production of INO Broadcasting for itsacadiana.com and KRBS 88.7 FM. The producer of our show is Grant Morris. Our technical producer is Eric Merle. Our associate producers are Molly Richard and Chad Terrio. Our researcher is Leah Erdialis. Today's show was engineered by Dylan Babineau. I'm Christian Mader. I'm editor of the Current Lafayette's nonprofit newsroom. And to get the scoop on Lafayette, head over to thecurrentla.com and sign up for our free newsletter. We'll see you next time for more business and conversation on Out to Lunch Acadiana. See you later. Out to Lunch Acadiana was recorded live over lunch at Tsunami Sushi on Jefferson Street in downtown Lafayette. Tsunami is open Tuesday through Saturday for lunch and dinner, serving sushi, sashimi, salads, and authentic Japanese grilled dishes. Tsunami welcomes casual dining or reservations. More information at servingsushi.com. Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker, established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com. Mitchell Foreman wrote and performs all the music on Out to Lunch. You can hear Mitchell's music anywhere great jazz is sold or streamed and at MitchellForeman.com. If you'd like to be part of Out to Lunch, to learn how your business or organization can become an Out to Lunch program partner, email info at inobroadcasting.com.